Hi, JJ Walsh here, based in Hiroshima, Japan, usually. Um, but I spent the last month in Hawaii, back at home where I grew up. And I wrote this article on uh, things that I saw in Hawaii. There were so many things um, in contrast to my life and work in Japan, uh, being back in Hawaii, seeing things with a fresh perspective. Uh, so I wrote a few articles on Medium, uh, which you can find the whole article there if you search JJ Walsh on medium.com. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit more than the article themselves here to my wonderful podcast listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, so this one is titled Hawaii People Planet Profit Highlights in 2022. It's been a few years since I've been home to Hawaii, and here are six standouts I've been really excited by on this trip. And here I'm showing a picture of an old grass shack in a watercress farm, and this is right in the center of Pearl Ridge, which is mostly shopping and businesses and residentials, concrete right now. Grow your own food at Sumida Watercress. During COVID, a lot of smaller businesses have closed their doors for good in Hawaii, which makes me particularly happy to see the watercress farm in Pearl Ridge still growing fresh, healthy food in a busy shopping and business area of Oahu. This beautiful waterlogged area that attracts birds and keeps the surrounding concrete jungle cooler will be on view a highlight for the passengers of the new rail system called Heart that will be passing by. You can see in Porridge these Heart uh, raised platforms for the light rail that they're making goes right past this Sumida watercress farm. Now the family-run Sumida watercress farm dates back to 1928 and was founded by a Japanese-American Masaru Sumida who was very passionate about the importance of locally grown and freshly available healthy greens. The farm to table, as we call it now, was not really a thing in the 1920s, but he understood deeply the need for a sustainable community that has its own sustainable food supplies. Masaru was described as a pain in the ass by government <laughs> workers and companies trying to develop the area as he lobbied the local government hard to keep his farmlands and said holding out against progress was his greatest achievement. Another thing I found really encouraging and positive on this trip was the Oahu and Hawaii State initiatives to stop using coal power. So goodbye coal, hello renewables. Exciting to be here on Oahu as the last coal power plant is set to go offline and new solar farms with battery storage are coming online. Another mega solar project on Oahu just went online in Mililani, a growing town I lived in as a teen that used to be nothing but pineapple fields. Now Mililani is a booming city of 28,000 people and there's not a pineapple in sight. It would be nice to see some pineapples. <laughs> uh, 
but now we are seeing clean energy with a 39 megawatt solar farm and battery system that can supply clean energy to 45,000 homes on Oahu. And this is a key part of the Clear Way Energy Group's 185 megawatt projects on the islands. Energy, they say, is going to be sold at a third of the price of oil. According to the CEO of the Clearway Energy Group, which is making the solar farm. Good riddance to the days when Mililani neighborhood associations can stop owners from putting solar on their own roofs. Once thought of as an eyesore for this planned community, Mililani is quite a recent planned community, uh, we now have a new vision of clean energy potential. Better access to home battery storage also takes the pressure off the grid, allowing for more freedom for residentials and businesses wanting to make the transition. Um, in the Hawaii market, which is very similar to Japan's market right now, the best home battery storage system is the Tesla Powerwall. And in Hawaii, the Tesla Powerwall home storage system costs around $11,000. And a new rooftop solar system can now be paid off in five years as because of government subsidies on the state and national level, um, prices have come down 50% over the last 10 years to only $12,000 for a six kilowatt system after all the incentives and subsidies. This is more than enough power for a family of four usually. Now, when we uh, put our solar panels on our roof in Hiroshima, Japan, um, more about 13 years ago, we paid about $10,000, but for half the power for a three kilowatt system. So this is very good value for a solar panel system on your roof that provides you with energy when you need it, when you are awake and active and using energy during the day. And if you get a home battery system to store that clean energy, and then you can use it when it's cloudy or rainy or at night, that's just a win-win-win situation all over the place. And most of these solar systems, including the ones in Hawaii, they sell any excess that's not used by the house or stored in the home battery. Any excess goes to the grid and is used by your neighbors. So it's really a great community benefit as well as you are supplying clean energy to your neighbors where they need it in their homes as well. Hawaii is still very car centric, but it is great to see the boom of the use of electric vehicles and new chargers around in the best parking spots at shopping malls. Hawaii's bus system is also turning electric and a target has been set to have 100% of the buses run on rechargeable batteries instead of fossil fuels by 2035. So I saw one electric bus when I was in Hawaii. Most of them are still uh, running on diesel or uh, hybrid gas and electric, but it'll be really exciting to go back next time and see how uh, the buses are transitioning to become electric, which is wonderful for the communities where people are walking and usually the poorest people in society are using the bus 
and uh, breathing in cleaner air instead of bus fumes is a big step forward. Uh, also, the whole idea of mass transit uh, being of a higher quality really improves the lives of many more people and gives more people social equity or a high quality of life for all segments of our society. Another really exciting thing that I saw on this trip was my visit to Reuse Hawaii. Uh, Reuse Hawaii was founded by interior designer Selina Tarantino and deconstruction guru Quinn Vitam in 2006. The Reuse Hawaii nonprofit provides residents and businesses on Oahu and the Big Island of Hawaii with solutions to the typical waste of remodeling or uh, destroying and rebuilding houses. A much more circular system of resources put back into use and put into action here at Reuse Hawaii. Deconstruction, as opposed to the usual and typical destruction of old houses when rebuilding, creates opportunities for reuse, a way to divert still usable resources, materials from wood to windows to floors, uh, tiles, uh, nails, metal frames, appliances, uh, to save all of these reuse and valuable materials from the landfill and put them back into use in the supply chain. After deconstruction, Reuse Hawaii is able to resell the materials back to builders, artists, and the general public in Hawaii. Uh, when we visited, uh, we often go to Goodwill with my father. He's a big Goodwill fanatic. And when we visited Reuse Hawaii, it was like a building type of Goodwill, uh, a DIY center Goodwill. It was really exciting to see. The materials are often more attractive, actually, I think, and sometimes more valuable and definitely more unique than what can be bought new in Home Depot or the new DIY centers. This adds not only sustainability appeal, but also high quality vintage and unique standout appeal to all the materials and items. So many sustainable wins are embedded in this business model here which maintains a better balance for the needs of people, planet with profits. I was also uh, excited once I started following Reuse Hawaii. And then if you see who has tagged them on Instagram, you can see all of the restaurants and businesses who are using and reusing the Reuse Hawaii uh, materials in their projects. So when they make new restaurants or when they remodel, and reusing the Reuse Hawaii materials and then tagging them and making that a part of their sustainable brand, which gets them um, more acceptance in the community, more loyal customers. I really felt that a lot of customers in Hawaii, they really respect uh, these sustainability initiatives and they're on the lookout for it. They are also very skeptical. Um, so you got to show where and how you are being sustainable, not just say it. Uh, the rail, yay! Another thing I was very excited about on this trip is the rail is finally coming down the track in 2022. One of the biggest hurdles to narrowing the social inequities in Hawaii between rich and poor is the lack of good public transportation. 
I realized how difficult it is to cycle around most parts of the island. I tried renting a bicycle in Waikiki. Um, there are no protected cycle lanes and cars are not aware of riders in most places. Um, when I ride on the bus in Hawaii, I really appreciate the accessibility of the transport for all parts of society. I see international and domestic tourists, uh, workers, students, people with disabilities, parents with children, and even people with bicycles using the bus. So the bus has been the only mass transit in Oahu for many years, and it is very accessible to all people in our community. And the bus really impressed me. Uh, this time also, you can now ride for $3 a ride, no matter how far you go. The bus is a social equalizer and community access open to all, which improves health, access to work and education, new opportunities, no matter what your situation. The next level for Hawaii is the elevated rail project that has been in the work since 2012. This year, I was excited to see the trial runs of the train moving across the elevated platforms around the Pearl, Har uh, Pearl Harbor, Pearl City Iaia area. But politics and inefficient management has made this project 11 years behind schedule and billions over budget. But the heart, which means Hawaii Rapid Transit, is finally becoming a reality in 2022 and the entire 20 mile route is set to be completed by 2031. Now in Japan and around the world, it's so clear that good public transportation infrastructure is an important asset and a key to sustainable society. The train with its views of the mountains, valleys and the sea above the traffic hell will be one of the greatest achievements of the 2000s for Oahu uh, government and policymakers, a real asset for the health and access to opportunities for future generations of Oahu community residents. I did uh, borrow cars when I was there at home, borrow from my family, and you cannot drive anywhere on Oahu without traffic any time of day. And if you're doing the route between uh, downtown area and uh, Pearl Ridge, or even all the way out to the Eva area, the beaches, even the North Shore, you really cannot be on the road between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. without being stuck in bumper to bumper traffic. It, the traffic situation is a really big problem. Uh, building more uh, lanes in the in the highway is not the answer so this elevated train that takes people above the traffic so they don't have to wait in the same traffic like the bus does is really going to be a game changer and I know it's over budget I know it's past many of the targeted times but pushing through to the finish and getting it going is going to be a great asset so really excited to see it in action uh, next year hopefully when I can get back and see family again now another real asset and something I hadn't really thought about too much um, before was the public access to par parks and beaches um, which is part of the law in Hawaii which has been there from the beginning as far as I can remember and way back in history
So in a world where the rich get richer and take private control of more vital natural resources, I'm so impressed uh, even more by Hawaii's laws protecting the rights of all people to access all beaches and shorelines as public common spaces to be shared. In Japan, due to new laws to build for the Olympics, many long protected public parks and community spaces in Japan where everybody used to have access and equal access to use have been sold and destroyed to put private facilities only accessible to the elite and those who pay to enter. This makes the many open public parks, trails, and beaches accessible to anyone on Hawaii, rich or poor, visitor or local, a very rare and beautiful liberty that should not be taken for granted. In Hiroshima, uh, in the last few years, we have had our one of our only big green parks, Chuo Koen Central Park, uh, destroyed and cut up and made into a big concrete private soccer stadium. So the only people who will now be able to use that area are people who buy tickets. Whereas before it used to be an open area where people would meet up and play soccer and have barbecues and picnics and ah, very sad. I spoke with a visitor from Florida while watching our kids on rented surfboards in Waikiki. And she is from Florida, the Sunshine State, which is famous for its private beaches. She was annoyed about the tourist tax. And I told her of the burden that Hawaii locals have to bear to live in Hawaii, which made a tourist tax seem a bit more trivial. Hawaii residents have the highest cost of living and the lowest wages in America, yet share access to any beach or coastline with visitors. This raises the issue of how to better educate tourists to make the most of their visit and become more engaged with local assets and issues in order to become loyal repeat visitors or future residents. But on a very basic level, I think we could do a better tourism campaign or awareness PR campaign, maybe as people fly in, to talk about how special Hawaii is in terms of its culture and environment and mention <laughs> the high cost of living and the lowest wages just to give the visitor a better appreciation for what the locals are going to and hopefully help them appreciate their visit to this very special place a little bit more instead of just treating it like any other tourist destination. Even in the busiest areas of Waikiki, we can appreciate the huge open fields and beautiful trees of Kapiolani Park, which are accessed by millions of locals and visitors each year. People come to enjoy sports, leisure activities, events, and community gatherings with the stunning beauty of Diamond Head Mountain on one side and the world's most famous beaches on the other. So even Waikiki has these beautiful public access parks and beaches that everybody can enjoy. And of course, that's where most tourists are, but a lot of locals also go here 
um, and do their soccer games and their picnics and community gatherings and enjoy the beaches and a lot of the other public events they hold in Waikiki, uh, like the movie night and the fireworks and the free hula shows. And then you have the zoo and the aquarium run by the University of Hawaii. Um, there's a lot of local benefit as well as tourist-focused assets and appeal. Uh, one final thing I think Hawaii is doing really well is crowd control. So despite tourism in Hawaii still not being back to pre-COVID visitor levels, we're now seeing new levels of crowd control not being seen before um, and how they are trying to manage um, some of the most popular, the two, two popular uh, destinations and sites. So now if you want to hike up Diamond Head or visit the stunning nature reserve of Hanauma Bay, famous for its fish you can see on the reef while snorkeling, or if you want to see Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor, these uh, two popular sites, overpopular sites, are now only accessible by advance reservation for visitors. Uh, local kamainas can have easier access if they show a local ID or driver's license, and uh, they can pay lower ticket prices as a part of the kamaaina discounts and benefits for locals. As a part of the local visitor and balance initiatives, uh, these have long been a part of the tourism management strategy in Hawaii, and I think these are ideas that we could definitely apply successfully to Japan as well. Finding ways for local community to benefit from the tourism income, but also have access to uh, sites and places and experiences that they value, which are becoming too popular with outside visitors as well. I know that Kyoto and even Miyajima in Hiroshima and many of the top tourist sites, which are already too popular with domestic tourists, always suffer with finding a good balance with how can you retain the high quality of life for local people and local workers, but also still uh, give access and appeal to the outside visitors who are bringing a lot of the income in. As I hear the buzz from nearby, nearby highways of downtown commuters who start their journey from 4 a.m. while I was staying there, I also see more early rising tourists out at dawn to enjoy walks, sightseeing, and beach going before the masses fill car parks and take over the best beaches. These are effective strategies which help us all as we are better able to avoid close contact and risk spreading new variants of COVID and other diseases. I hope to see more shops opening earlier and staying open later in the day to accommodate more customers who are avoiding crowds for their own health and sanity. Thanks for listening. It's great to share these ideas with you. I'd love to hear any questions or comments you have. Uh, reach out to me via social media. You can find me at JJ Walsh on Twitter, Inbound Ambassador on Instagram or Facebook. Have a great day. Take care.